Welcome to the Writer Experience Podcast, presented by FlickeringMyth.com. I'm your host, Court Dunn. Join us as we talk to writers about their work, their process, and what it means to be a writer. Today's episode is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com slash writer experience. Audible has over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Welcome to the Writer Experience Podcast. Today's guest is Vincent Lin. Vincent is a filmmaker and founder of Valiant Pictures, a production company based in New York City. He recently placed as a top 50 semifinalist in the Academy Nickel Fellowship, and he's a judge for the NYU Purple List. Valiant Pictures is actively developing content from short films to feature films to episodic to commercial advertising, and Vincent is also one of my friends. Vincent, we were very excited to finally have you on the show. How's it going? Hey, very good. Thanks for having me on. Uh, I know we've been talking about this for a while, so glad we could finally make it happen. My first question is always, where are you in the world right now? I know you are, as we discussed before the podcast, in between a few different places, traveling a lot. So can you walk us through where you are right now? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, I don't know if it's as exciting as you made it sound, but based on you know, the pandemic, I'm a little bit nomadic at the moment. I've been in New York for the last 17 years, but when the pandemic hit, you know, I think we are all kind of evaluating you know, where we want to be. So I spent some time in the suburbs. I was fortunate enough to have a place in Pennsylvania that I was there for a little bit recently, kind of splitting time between that and the city as things are opening back up and in the process of actually heading out to LA. So it sounds again a little more glamorous than it actually is, you know, but probably splitting time between New York and LA at the moment. In regards to location, obviously past year, year and a half have been pretty crazy. Quarantine has been in effect. Things are starting to open up, but quarantine and Working on projects during quarantine are still top of mind, that limitation. The writers are usually writing at home anyway. For you, as a filmmaker, as a founder of a production company, I imagine that's affected you a little bit more. So can you walk us through how your experience has been over the past year trying to work on content during such a crazy time? Yeah, absolutely. Crazy year for everybody, right? Especially for production companies. Across the board, things were pretty much shut down back in you know March and April last year. We had a few pockets of you know films and shoots that came back up, and recently things are definitely resurging and coming back up, which is good. But there's definitely a lot of downtime in periods of time where you're evaluating what's the next thing, right? And especially for a production company that your lifeblood is developing projects and going out there and filming, it just kind of got cut off. So I think there's definitely a lot of evaluating how you, from a production standpoint. You know, what's the next step, right? And you actually take that time and look at it from a different perspective. You know, how can we build upon what we do have, which is development, right? So there was a lot of writing and sourcing projects and figuring out what's the next step, you know, because a lot of time, like we didn't know where the industry is going. And even now, right, things are still evolving and changing. So to get a leg up on that, it's really kind of going back to the core of what you do, which is developing content and figuring out what stories are still important and worth telling. And I think, you know, if anything, if any good has come out of it, I think it has been a time where people can be a little more reflective and take a little more time for themselves, but also the projects that they're developing and really have time for that when there's nothing else to do, basically. Before we talk process and about how you write, 
I always like to talk about how you got from point A to point B. Can you tell us about your career trajectory? Right now, you're a filmmaker. You're a founder of your own production company. Can you walk us through, did you always want to be a filmmaker? At what point did you begin to pursue that trajectory? And yeah, just walk us through how you got to this point. Yeah, I think from a young age, I had this fascination with the arts, right? And part of it is wanting to entertain, but also connecting people, right? And I always gravitated towards music and storytelling, photography, uh, maybe because I wasn't good at other subjects, or this was kind of a way of uh, you know, creative freedom. But also, I found it as a way to connect with people, right? And for me, maybe my background kind of adds to that, where I have a lot of family. I'm a son of immigrants. My parents are from Taiwan, and we would go back every once in a while. I would see my family and my relatives. While I do speak Chinese, there was still a gap, right? And it's from culture and language and all that stuff. Whenever we would listen to music or watch a movie or something, it kind of connected us in a way, right? And it's a weird way to kind of communicate, but also share your thoughts and feelings and all that stuff. So I think from a young age, I knew that I wanted to have this career and something that could connect people. That kind of brought me to film school. I went to NYU, uh, focused on writing and directing. And I think when I graduated, a very naive kid, right? <laughs> I graduated, I'm like, oh, well, next is obviously going to make a movie, right? But it's not so easy, right? You know, you graduate and you're like, oh crap, I have to pay bills. You know, I'm living in one of the most expensive cities in the world. What am I going to do? You know, I don't have the silver spoon. I don't have, you know, millions of dollars to make a movie. What do I do now? So it was kind of an eye opening position in my life where I'm like, what do I do next? Fortunately, I had some friends who recommended some production jobs and I just started from the ground up. You know, I started uh, PAing. I was fortunate enough to PA for some pretty big directors. Michelle Gondry, I was a PA on Steven Spielberg's Munich when that was shooting some parts in Brooklyn. Kind of got me to see production from a professional standpoint and work on big shoots. I was crewing for a news company for a little bit, bringing in you know crews for Dateline, NBC, ABC News. And this was just like quick turnaround, very small shoots, but it really kind of honed my skills. You know, I need you know a sound guy, camera guy within the hour. And I was just like calling people around and trying to make that happen. And I never thought I would, but I kind of followed a very linear career path in terms of production. You know, I was a PA, I was a production coordinator, became a production supervisor, and then I started producing for shoots. And along that path, I got into commercial advertising. I think this is something that I was not very aware of in college. You know, I think some people were very aware of, you know, where they wanted to be as a director or whatnot. And I didn't even know like commercial advertising really existed. Again, I was a very naive kid. The commercials were great because with commercial, it was quick turnaround. And obviously, some of the budgets were pretty significant in size as well. So that, again, kind of honed my skills. And I really kind of learned a lot, especially working with some very good commercial directors, right? You learn a lot from how people approach different projects, work with actors, some are more visual, some are more dance-based or whatnot. You know, Different people have different styles. So that was great. And it kind of opened my eyes to what advertising and the advertising world brought to the table. I found myself over on the ad agency side for a few years as well, producing commercials, did a Super Bowl commercial for Labatt Blue, as well as some very big brands from you know, Mrs. Dash to Pepsi, Mountain Dew. And it was all great learning experience. But what I did really miss was being on the production side. You know, on the agency side, you know, we won't get into too much of the mechanics of things, but it was more corporate and more political. And it was great to be able to work on these big campaigns, but I really missed kind of being on set. You know, I missed being on set. I missed, you know, actively developing projects 
and narratives and stories and stuff like that. So I opened up Valiant Pictures with executive producer Matthew D'Amato, and we were just kind of doing our own thing. You know, we had the luxury of doing our own thing for a little bit, and we figured, let's just try it, right? And this was back in 2015. We were lucky to be able to do a few short films that we really wanted to do, as well as bring in a few clients and do some commercial work. And since then, we've grown. We rep a number of directors now. You know, I think we're in a good place. We're one of the fastest growing minority-owned production companies as well. In New York City, we're opening up shop in LA as well. We've added uh, edit suites. And it's cool to see how my experience from you know production has helped me grow this company. And as a director, I've been able to pursue some of the projects I really want to do. And we've had a little bit more luxury in the last few years of, of cash flow, but as well as time to develop, like I mentioned, things outside of advertising, right? Because as important as advertising is, you're at the end of the day still selling a product, right? You're still trying to sell whatever it is, a brand or an image or whatever. And you could do something really creative and great with it. But at the end of the day, we all got into this to tell our own stories, right? So in the last few years, we've been able to kind of pursue some short films and feature films that we've really wanted to develop and produce. And it's more fulfilling in a way as well to be able to pursue stuff like that. I would love to get into the process side of things. Let's just talk what Valiant Pictures is. We are a commercial production company. Our bread and butter is definitely still commercial advertising, you know, TV spots, digital videos. And we rep a very diverse group of directors that basically give us the ability to cater to different clients, whether they want a comedy spot, a sports-based spot, a, you know, whether you're selling an energy drink or, or you know, a mattress, we'll be able to help you out in that sense. And I think for our philosophy, we really try to tap into directors with various backgrounds. I think it's something that we've been always passionate about when we started the company, kind of based on our backgrounds as well. We've noticed that, especially now more than ever, it's really important to have diversity and inclusion because from a story standpoint, you want different perspectives, right? You want somebody who's gone through something different than you just to show you something different. You know, We could all look at the same thing, but look at it differently. And we found a lot of success in that regards because whether our directors are from you know, literally a different background, a different country, they speak a different language. Or they're not, you know, they didn't go to film school, or maybe they got brought up in a different way. They just started making videos, or maybe they're animation based. You know what I mean? That is kind of like a chaos theory where they come in and, you know, they, we can kind of take our learning, our education process, and with our experience in doing films and stuff like that and commercials and educate them on how to approach the project. So, a quick example is like we've worked with some directors who they came up through YouTube, for example, right? They've made a lot of YouTube videos, but they've never been on a big set before. They don't know how to necessarily tell a story from a traditional standpoint or what to do when there's you know a crew of 45 people helping them out because they're doing everything themselves. But they have a vision. They have a specific style that we want to help them with. So we can kind of educate them as well as you know how to communicate with clients and blah, 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 all that stuff on set and to be able to facilitate their vision to these bigger brands and bigger projects. Because we notice that a lot too, you know, where, and I hate using this word, but you know, like brands always want to use influencers, right? And they bring them on and they really don't know necessarily what they're doing, right? They maybe have like, you know, 2 million followers or something like that, but they've never directed a commercial. They never communicated with clients. And to be able to tell that story the way that the brands are used to them being told, right? They're really tapping into their viewer base. And so what we could do is really facilitate that and, you know, make it effective. 
I would love to hone in on the short films and feature films. How do you decide the short films and feature films that you and Valley Pictures work on? So it kind of comes from a lot of different places. At first, it was basically projects that I personally wanted to do or my production partner wanted to do. And as we grew as a production company, we would talk to our directors, right? We want to try to help them with their personal projects as well. So if they have a project that they're wanting to direct or produce, or you know, they know somebody, we'll kind of start screening through those. So as we stand now, we take submissions. I mean, it's not something we actively do. You know, a lot of projects that we're doing are things that we have slated already, but we're always open. You know, we do get solicited emails every once in a while and, and people want to do their projects. And we do try to look through them, especially if they are compelling stories or have financing or whatever, you know, we'll definitely screen through them. But for part of us is just, you know, compelling stories. You know, it's if there's a compelling story that somebody wants to tell, we'll take a look at it and see how we could help out. We learn early on when we were starting to do feature films and short films, we learned that it really comes down to the story. And I know everybody says that and everybody's like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But we learned that early on because we put some money into a, a feature film and we didn't like the script. You know, we didn't really like the script, but we were naive and we were new and we we're like, you know what? They'll be able to fix it. You know, like they'll come with it. It'll be great. You know, they'll fix it on set. They'll fix it, you know, in post. And then when the film was edited, we were like, oh, wow, you know, like the same issues that we saw going into it are still there. <laughs> so now we're definitely a little more thorough with our process and films that we want to work on. One, the story has to be good. You know, we'll, we'll help the directors and writers go through the process and really, you know, voice our concerns a little more aggressively and obviously somewhat subjective. But at the same time, you know, I think we're in an interesting position where we can kind of help these, especially younger writers, hone their craft a little bit, really think through the story and to be something that we could actually present to whether it's our financiers or that we want to put money into or help produce that makes sense for everybody. We have a lot of writers on this podcast. Do you like what writers write? Do you like free stuff? Well, Audible is offering a free audiobook download for listeners of the Writer Experience Podcast with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. I recently downloaded James Joyce's Ulysses for my commutes into the city, while our producer Harry, who may or may not exist, has been enjoying J.R.R. Tolkien's The Hobbit. To download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash writer experience. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash writer experience for your free audiobook. What's your favorite film of all time? It might be a sophisticated classic, a childhood favorite, or an enjoyable pile of trash you just can't help but watch over and over again. The Pick of the Flicks podcast, hosted by me, Tom Beasley, is all about celebrating people's favorite movies in whatever form they take. Each week, I interview a different guest about their chosen favourite, whether I agree with their choice or think they're as mad as one of Tom Hardy's accents. So tune in to Pick of the Flicks every week on the Flickering Myth Podcast Network and subscribe with your podcast app of choice. Maybe your favourite film will be next. Hi, I'm George. And I'm Sam. And we're from the That's a Classic podcast on the Flickering Myth Network. We both bring three films each from a certain genre and we battle it out to find out which is the ultimate classic. So you can listen to us on Flickr and Myth, iTunes or Spotify. Check out what classic we choose every week. When you set out to make a short or a feature, how are you thinking about the ultimate release of it? Do you think about festivals specifically? Is it something that you might want to pitch? That kind of thing. 
those options things that you're thinking about? Yeah, absolutely. I think you know a lot of the shorts and features that we do are independent films, right? So they go through a similar process in terms of trying to get to top tier festivals, trying to get distribution. These are things that we think about and we try our best to plan that around the festival world, but it's also not the end all be all, right? There's various platforms that are looking for content these days. And obviously any streaming service out there, their bread and butter is trying to get more content. So while the festival circuit is still very active and something that we do pursue, it's definitely not defines how we're going to get our projects out there. I would love to break down the development of the scripts of the stories. How would you go about taking it from the idea into developing into a script? Yeah, I think we're pretty hands-on when we're working with directors and writers. Part of it is they come with different experience levels, right? So certain writers have been writing for a long time. They have a lot of experience in a writer's room, whereas some, they just have an idea. They just have a basic idea and they want to be able to flush it out. And that I think our experience helps, you know, just basic kind of story-based education, right? Not in terms of like formatting, but in terms of like structure and really kind of thinking through characters. I think we've noticed too, you know, a lot of projects that we get submitted or that want to be developed, they might have a great kind of overarching story, but the characters and the nuances and all these things need to be really, really dived into to really tell that story completely. And I think for us, it always comes down to the narrative has to be compelling enough that we want to go back and learn more. So a part of that is, like I said, you know, being able to flush out the characters and how they connect and what's kind of the overarching theme and ideas that they want to tell. For your process, for your films, how do you come up with your own ideas? I think, you know, when you're working on a project, I think it's important to ask yourself why you're telling the story, right? What gives you the special ability to tell this story versus someone else. You know, what's your perspective? What's your take on it? And that, you know, that applies to any category, right? Whether you're doing a horror film or a comedy or a drama, how are the characters that you're writing and the story that you're writing unique? And why are you telling that, right? So the way I, you know, and this kind of goes into a little bit process is understanding thematically, what is your thesis, right? What's your overarching idea for the story, right? And I think, Understanding that and going back to that will always help push through the story and what you're trying to tell. Love that. What about that outline process somewhere between the idea and script is that world where you are starting to flesh out point A to point B, breaking down scene by scene, that kind of thing. So what does that look like when you begin to start to put a little bit more detail in and flesh out the story? Yeah. So I think, you know, having gone to film school and just understanding the basics, I take a very linear approach to writing. Writing is definitely a crap, right? You have to spend the time doing it. Whereas I think some younger writers and maybe me, you know, when I was younger, just had this naive idea that, oh, you know what, you'll have a great idea. You'll sit down and kind of just like have this moment of inspiration and within 24 hours pump out like a great 90 page feature. And that's, you know, never the case. I mean, there might be some outliners or some really, really talented individuals out there that could do that. But for 99% of us, that's not the case, right? It's really a craft that you have to sit down and grind. And I take a very kind of methodical approach. You know, like I mentioned, for me, it's understanding your main thesis, right? There has to be a main core idea of what story you want to tell, right? And it can be anything, right? If you're writing comedy, maybe it's a little more lighthearted, but it could also be, you know, very serious if you want to talk about something that's more engaging or pertinent to 
yourself or what's in the news, but you have to have that core kind of thesis. And then from there, I don't even start outlining. I kind of just start writing things that I think of, you know, the characters, the basic overarching idea of where this story is going to go and literally plotting down like, okay, here's a bio for character A, here's a bio for character B, here's like a synopsis, here's a log line. I write all these things down without even understanding kind of where the story is going, because I think that'll push you in the right direction. Again, all this stuff changes, right? But if you don't have at least this kind of basic roadmap, you don't know where to start out, right? And I think I just kind of start writing all the bullet points of where I think this is going to, you know, who are the main characters here? What's going to happen here? What's the premise? What's the location? What's the time period? You know, in terms of, is it a period piece? But also, you know, how long is the span of this film? Does it take place over years or is it over an hour, two hours? That kind of grounds you and the world that you're trying to write in. You know, if it's a sci-fi world, maybe you want to start writing some rules, you know, there's no gravity on this planet, blah, 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 right? And so you want to kind of write down all these rules and set up this world before you even get to the outline phase. At least for me, that kind of helps a lot. Basically, you know, once you have this kind of rule book, then you could start outlining. And, you know, there's definitely a little cheat sheet you could use. And if you look at resources online, you know, there's definitely, you know, eight to 15 beats usually in a feature film, you know, like core momentum shifts. There's usually, you know, one or two dramatic events or twists. You know, you could obviously look at three-act structure. You could obviously look at, you know, how many scenes are there in a typical feature film. I don't know the number off the top of my head, but I believe it's somewhere between like 50 to 80 or something like that which is a huge range too. And obviously what's applicable to your film might not be applicable to another film, but these are kind of just general guidelines. And then you kind of just want to start structuring, at least for me, the outline of what happens. You know, Character A walks here and meets character B. That's scene one, scene two, scene three. And that's kind of my outline phase. So even before I start writing, I kind of have all this, you know, the Bible, the rule book, everything's kind of plotted down. I know who the characters are. And then you start outlining scene by scene what happens. That for me is kind of how I usually get started when I'm writing. And I encourage a lot of writers that we're working with to have this, you know, because a lot of times it might just be in their head. But if you write it down, you could actually have something that's concrete and tangible. And you could always kind of reference it in case you get lost within your own story. Once you move from that outline into writing the script, you go about, you know, actually starting to write the first draft. And what does it look like? I mean, the first draft is usually very rough, right? And for me, like I said, I spend so much time with the setup and the outline and fleshing out the characters. So before I even write anything, you know, the first draft, it all kind of already comes together. Actual writing the script, believe it or not, at least for me, is, I wouldn't say easy, but it's definitely one of the easier parts because by that point, I already know what's going to happen. I already know who the characters are. I know the setting. I know the themes. So it's basically just putting these characters that I already know into the setting, into the scene, into the location, and just like imagining what happened and how it unfolds, right? So again, the first draft, it should come out, at least for me, comes out really quick. And you know that's something I could just write and write, and you already know where it's going. But it's super rough. You know, the dialogue is usually really terrible. There's no real blocking. You know, There's definitely not a lot of nuances, but it's basically just getting everything that you've set up on paper. And then from there, you kind of got to go back through and be like, okay, cool. The dialogue's too on the nose, you know. So going back to your question, I feel like the first draft comes out pretty quickly because a lot of stuff is already set up and you already know where it's going to go. But I think it's also a point where you could explore because, you know, when you start writing it, you'll get, you know, down to a few scenes and you'll realize like, oh, well, you know what? 
this could actually go this direction, or I didn't even think this could go this direction. So the first draft is more exploratory than anything else. How do you go about working on dialogue, making sure that dialogue is good? How do you make sure that it's unique and the characters are unique and it's interesting? I think dialogue is tricky, right? I think as a writer, you have to understand your strengths and weaknesses. And if dialogue, it doesn't come natural, a lot of it is kind of research, you know, going out there, seeing how people talk. And <laughs> that sounds like a social kind of experiment, but going out there, seeing how certain characters in your life talk, you know, what are their nuances? How do they speak? There's no problem if you reference people, whether they're real or imaginative, in your own script. And I think a part of that is understanding where the dynamics come when characters communicate. Dialogue is tricky because I have this problem as well. And I feel like a lot of writers, especially inexperienced writers, characters start sounding the same, you know? And I think that just comes out of the fact that maybe you didn't think the script out thoroughly or certain characters need more backstory or basically build up so you understand why they talk a certain way or how they react to certain scenes. And especially if you're writing a script where there's friends, friends do sound similar in a way, but obviously people are individuals. So dialogue is tricky. I think it's important to understand who your characters are and really, really, whether it shows up on paper or not in terms of the script, but for you as a writer to understand who these characters are, because that will facilitate how the dialogue is carried through. And what about description? You mentioned blocking. I know that some people, dialogue comes more natural. Some maybe description is more fun to write. You know, going back when we were talking about writing the first draft, my first drafts tend to be very on the nose, right? Dialogue is very, when we were talking about dialogue, you know, in real life, people don't always say what they mean, right? And oftentimes there's a lot of subtext behind what you say, how you say it. My first draft is very on the nose, right? If somebody's happy, they'll be like, hey guys, I'm happy, you know? So it's not great script by any means, but I understand where things are coming from. At least for me, that's what works. And same with blocking. I don't really even focus on blocking. I just set them in the location, unless if it's very specific, their actions, they're kind of just there. But I think in the following drafts, then that's where you kind of go in and be like, okay, our character is happy, but how is he actually showing he's happy? You know, people don't walk around and say, I'm happy most of the time. But maybe he's saying something else, or maybe he's doing something, or maybe he's eating, you know, quickly or whatever, you know, something that helps with the scene, but also with the character. That's when I started kind of giving a little more details and getting into that. So blocking for me, I don't really, you know, unless if there's something very specific that they need to do for the story, I don't even focus on that until, you know, following versions or revisions. I also think once you start focusing on that, it opens up a can of worms, right? You know, why does a character walk here or do this? These are things I don't think you need to think about until you have the story structured down. And then you could go in and be like, okay, this person's you know, always by the window. He likes to stand by the window. It, it you know, symbolizes his whatever, his need to go outside or whatnot. But these are like little details that you can start inserting once you have a better idea of where the story's going. Once the script is in its final place, how do you go about producing the film itself? What are your first steps on getting this film off the ground? Getting an independent film produced and actually made is incredibly difficult, you know, and that's not to deter anyone. I think it's more just to understand that unless if you have, you know, a lot of money sitting in your bank account or, you know, a rich uncle or something, it's very difficult to get it made just because it's a gamble, right? It's a very kind of risky investment from a financier's point of view, right? I think you probably have better odds of opening up a restaurant than to put money into a film. So you need to really love filmmaking, you really love the story to consider making it. And I think that's the first thing you have to understand is 
there's not one way to get a film made, right? And you have to have thick enough skin to approach various people, whether they're development companies or production companies or investors to pitch your project. You know, you have to get your pitch down really good. On top of that, you have to understand that it doesn't matter if you get a hundred no's, right? You just need that one person or that one production company to say, oh, I love your script. I want to make this happen, right? So gearing yourself up for potential failure or people saying no to you is just part of the process. There are things obviously that will help independent film get made. If you have any connections to talent, getting people attached, whether that's you know a famous actor or if you're friends with like a prominent DP and you could get them to attach the project, that will obviously help your cause. I think what's important too is understanding for independent film, if you want to get it produced, is going back to that story, right? Why does the story need to be told? And why are you the person that can tell it? Because if you can't answer those questions, then I don't think people will be you know, willing to see this film get made. So at the core of it, you need to have a voice. You need to have an interesting perspective. Why is the story being made? And then from there, it's just, you know, I wish there was an easy process, but it's a grind. You know, you just kind of start approaching people. And on top of that, before that even happens, I think it's important to get all your pitch materials, whether you're making a deck, whether you're pitching in person, get that all in tip top shape so you can answer any questions. You know, just imagine people appearing on Shark Tank, for example, right? You could always tell when they're prepared to answer all the questions and they could make a case for why this product should be sold or in this case, why a film should be made. Vince, I have a couple last bonus questions before we wrap up. The first one being, if you could choose to take any writer to any fast food restaurant, which writer would you choose? Which fast food restaurant would you choose to take them to and why? Hmm. Interesting question. I think I'm a sucker for Aaron Sorkin. I love his writing and I would love to learn a little bit more about you know his process. I know there's the masterclass and everything like that, but to actually have an engaging conversation with him in person would be great. I particularly really enjoy his use of dialogue. It's very melodic, but also he does something very interesting. I think a lot of writers try and fail, which is kind of all these like callbacks and you know being witty. It kind of comes across fake, I realize, when a lot of writers try it, but he does a really masterful job of doing that. In terms of a restaurant, fast food restaurant, I don't know, man. I don't eat much fast food. I would probably choose something, maybe like a Panda Express, just because you know I'm Asian and maybe I'll have something more compelling to talk about from my point of view <laughs> there. But yeah, I think that would probably be the ideal situation. Me and Aaron Sorkin sitting down at a Panda Express. <laughs> what would you talk about? Is there one question you would ask him? I think I would ask him more specific questions about, you know, I love the work that he did for the social network, for example. And I would probably ask him about specific scenes and, you know, how that came about, especially because that translated from a book as well, right? So how he decided to go in that direction and more about his process and, and especially, like I said, his dialogue, you know, does he think of things to say or do they come kind of naturally as he's writing the characters? Love it. Second to last question is, if you could choose one thing from your entire career that you'd like to pass along to the writers who are listening right now, what is the one thing you would say? So I think, you know, I'll reiterate it. I think I said a little bit earlier, it's so obvious, but it's just right. You know, I think writers often focus too much about, you know, even like structure, even about, you know, how am I going to get this made? You know, who's going to pick this up? You know, who do I sell this to? What do I shoot this on? Who's the right director? That stuff is all important, obviously, but at the same time, it's irrelevant if you don't have a compelling story, if you don't have a good story that you want to tell, right? So 
just write, just keep writing and understand that your first draft is going to be garbage. Understand that your 10th draft is probably still going to be garbage. And I think that's the process, you know, like people really need to understand that writers write, you know, that's literally, that's their job, right? So I often have like, you know, writers or directors submit their project to me and we start talking about it. And one, they don't take the feedback. And two, it's obviously they haven't thought through a lot of the descriptions and a lot of the characters and a lot of the, you know, what happens next? What happened five years ago? You know, like there's a lot of stuff that happens to go into it. And the only way to get there is just to continuously write. So I know it's such obvious advice, but I think people need to understand, and especially writers, that that's literally the definition of a writer you write. So, you know, you don't expect to write your first feature film within, you know, three days. Sometimes it takes literally years, you know, and you got to go back and sometimes you got to rewrite your whole scenes and rewrite characters, combine characters, lead characters. You know, it's not a road that just has one direction. There's so many you're the creator of your story, right? And so there's no problem with literally, let's say you put in, you know, 30 drafts of a script. There's no problem going back and be like, you know what, this scene's not working. Let's pull it out. You know what I mean? Like you could keep working on it. There's no end point until you get it made, right? So don't focus too much about how am I going to get this made? Focus more about just writing a great story. Love that. The final question is, did you have fun today talking to me about writing and your writing process? (laughs) <laughs> Absolutely, man. It's great to catch up with you. And hopefully Absolutely. some of the nonsense I spit it out could help some writers out there. And, you know, I'm always looking forward to, you know, what people come up with. You know, I think part of why we do what we do is we love story, we love visual mediums, and we love seeing films, you know. So I'm excited at what people come up with. Did you want to plug anything before you go? Obviously, Valiant Pictures, maybe there's a Twitter, is there a project you want to shout out? Feel free to do that now. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So you can follow Valiant Pictures, Facebook, Instagram. You know, we're constantly trying to develop projects. So if you have anything, definitely reach out to us. You know, our slate's pretty full for the year, to be very honest. And like I mentioned, you know, we have a commercial wing that is kind of our driving force and we do a lot of that stuff. But we're always looking for engaging projects and new writers, new directors. So follow us, come take a look at what we do. And if you have anything, you know, reach out to us and we'll have a conversation. Well, thank you, Vincent, for your insights and your time. It was a lot of fun. It was an honor. Thank you very much, Cord. I'll catch up with you soon. Thanks so much for having me on. Thank you. And thanks again to our listeners. We hope to see you next week. Thank you so much for listening to The Writer Experience. If you enjoyed the episode today, please leave a rating, a review, and a comment on iTunes. You can also check us out on Instagram at Writer Experience and Twitter and Facebook at Writer EXP. The Writer Experience is a Samurai Dinosaur production. Copyright 2019. All rights reserved. Music by Kevin McLeod.